Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. Let's go to Genesis chapter 17 this morning. I know you may not remember because it's kind of been disjointed and broken up, but we've been teaching on Sunday morning on the subject of doubt. Does anybody remember that? All right. I'm glad you, a few do because it's kind of been broken up. But we're going we're gonna to kind of bring it to conclusion today. We're talking about how to defeat doubt. How to defeat doubt. Boy, the devil loves doubt, man. I mean, that's what it's all about with him. You know, he, that's how he began in the beginning. You know, did God say, even when Jesus was in t- Mount, uh, if you be, you know, and, uh, you know, he tries to get people to doubt God, doubt the word, doubt that there is a God, doubt the goodness of God, you know, doubt the infallacy of the word of God. But I'm telling you, this book is infallible. What do you mean by infallible? It is unerring. It is the genuine article truth of God. Hallelujah. It doesn't, the Word of God does not contain, the Bible does not contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Hallelujah. It records things that God didn't say. I know that. But it's inspired to be in there for you to learn something about it, you know. Like Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Well, God didn't say that. Job said that. The Bible just recorded Job said that. God's a giver and a blesser. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let's go in our Bibles here to Genesis 17 because I want to, I want to, I'm just going to look at probably just maybe, maybe just two, possibly three scriptures this morning. But I want to talk about how to defeat doubt. And let's go to uh, Genesis uh, chapter 17 and let's start with verse 15. It says, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. Now, Sarai, you know, both Sarah and Sarah both mean princess. So it's like, but the difference is, is, is the spelling Sarai, S-A-R-A-I, means princess, like in a local sense, like she's a local princess, you know, like she's got some local power, authority. But Sarah means princess in a widespread sense. Like this, this lady's going to be a princess, not just locally, but widespread, which she became the mother, amen, of, of uh, multitudes, amen. And I will bless her, and I'll give you a son of her. Yea, and I will bless her, and, and she shall be a mother of nations, and kings of people shall be a her. Then Abraham shouted, no, it says Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Doesn't sound like, does this, and then, and let's read just, just a little bit more. And he said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old, and shall Sarah that is 99 years old bear. Stop right there. Does this sound like the man we read about in Romans that says that he was fully persuaded? Doesn't to me, does it to you? Sounds like a man who like thought this was hilarious. That Sarah... 90 years old is going to have a baby. I'm 100 years old. He thought, he laughed at it. I'd call that doubt, wouldn't you? <laughs> so what we're going to talk about is how did this man go from this man to Romans chapter 4 man? 
Let's talk about that. Let's finish reading this out. Verse 70, Then Abraham fell on his face, he laughed, and he said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that's a hundred years old? Shall Sarah that's ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. God, I've got a son. Just do the promise by the son I got. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. And God said, this is the King James, God said, uh, Sarah thy wife shall bear a son indeed. But the interesting thing, the New King James actually gets this a little better, where the New King just says, says no, Sarah, your son, Sarah shall bear your son. No, because the word indeed, it literally, can, it literally means no indeed. Uh-uh, no, I'm not. You, the promise isn't coming through Ishmael. I'm going to do what I said. And uh, thou shalt call his name Isaac, which means laughter. I don't know if God just decided right there to call him Isaac because Abraham laughed and God said, I'm going to have the last laugh. And I will establish my covenant for, with him for an everlasting covenant with his seed and with his seed after him. Now go to Romans chapter 4. Go there. Romans the 4th chapter. I just wanted to read that to you. That's not the man we're going to read about here in Romans chapter 4. The man we just read about, he was, he was doubting. But we're going to read about a man that was fully persuaded, the Bible said. Now, I want to go from doubt to fully persuaded. I want to be fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. You know, if you're fully persuaded, that means you can be partially persuaded. I want to be fully persuaded. Amen. You know, I like to, you know, I like, I like my cup to run over. How about you? You know, I, 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 it's like, it, it seems like sometimes that, you know, maybe I'm not paying attention, but I pay more attention than you think. Phyllis can ask me about money, how much money we got at the church, how much we got in this account, how much we got in that account, how much we got in our checking account personally, how much we got in our savings account. And I almost tell her sometimes almost to the penny. Because even though I don't handle it, I'm paying attention. You know why I pay attention? Because I like the cup. I like it. I like the barrel full. Hallelujah. I've lived where it wasn't full. I like it full better. So I'm not one, that, you know, I'm not one that just spends money, especially church money or ministry money foolishly. It, you know, I let it pile up. The higher it gets, the better I like it. Hallelujah. So what are you going to do? It Well, if God says give it, I'll give it away someday. Right? I don't know, but I just like it to be there. You know what I'm saying? All right, since that's not going over well, you do whatever you want to, but I, like, I don't like to live on, I don't like to live on, I don't like to live with the barrel on top of me. I like, I like to live off the top of the barrel. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about being stingy. Praise God, we give, we get, man, we give thousands and thousands of dollars every year. Amen. So I'm not talking about that, but I'm just talking about, I like, I like to trust God and have money, man. You know, just don't be foolish with it and don't just spend it for everything that comes along. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Now, uh, I forgot what I was going after, but anyway, it was a good message while it lasted. Praise God. Close your Bibles. No, <laughs> no um, Abraham here, he goes, he goes from being this guy who, who's full of doubt till he's fully persuaded. I don't know what I was talking about. I was talking about being fully persuaded. Amen. You know what I'm saying? I, see, some, some people, that, they like to drive with their, their car on, on, and, on empty. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I had an uncle like that. He, he, was, he was just constantly seemed like running out of gas. Well, there's a solution to that. Put gas in the tank. 
you know, I was driving. I, I like to get gas at a certain place because it's cheaper, you know, because I can get a discount. And I'm not going to advertise for them. But anyway, I, I like to get it there because it's cheaper, you know. But I, the other night, I'm just driving along. Cause, and, I, and that's one thing I don't pay attention to. And I got to watch it. But thank God, these modern vehicles, they tell you. They go, ding, ding, ding. It's called an idiot bell. <laughs> Look at your gauges. And so I'm like, ding, ding, ding. And I'm, on the, I'm, I'm not near. So I have to go buy gas somewhere else, you know. Because I'm not near my station. And I'm like, I, you know, I, it's talking to me and saying I'm, I'm thirsty. And so, but I, you, if, you can be, if you can be fully persuaded, that means you can be just a little bit persuaded or you can be halfway persuaded. I want to be fully persuaded. So I want to know, and I'm going to give you five things this morning. How did Abraham go from this Genesis 17 guy who laughed when God told him what he was going to do and tried to get God to do it some other way because he didn't think this was possible? To this guy who Romans says is fully persuaded and the father of our faith that we should follow. I want to find out what this guy did, don't you? I said, don't you? All right, let's go to Romans chapter 4, verse uh, 16. It says this, therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. You know, faith always comes before grace. Now, there's a lot of people who want to get the grace first, and then they'll have some faith. Well, if God heals me, I'll believe. Grace, healing is God's grace. You've got to get the faith first. He says that it, to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is the faith of Abraham, who's the father of us all. A partner asked me one time, a partner with our ministry one time asked me this. It was a good question. They said, I'm dealing with a lady and ministering to a lady. And they said, one asked me, can I ask you this? And they said, uh, this lady asked me, and I know, how, I know what to say. So she asked me, says, why, this lady asked me, why does God make it so hard to receive from Him that you have to believe to receive? She said, why does God make it hard like that? She said, well, I didn't know what to tell her. I said, well, it's not hard. That's the easy way. All you got to do is believe it. All you got to believe God's not a liar. That's not hard. Now, if God did it on our IQ, you know, if you got 100 and 40 IQ or higher, I'll give it to you. How many would make it? What, what if God did it if you were your perfect weight? <laughs> Do you hear that, Sister Debbie? Oh, boy. How many of us aren't going to make it, right? Because, I mean, if you ever look at the height, the weight chart, I'm thinking, man, I'm never going to be there. Yeah, right. I said, man, I'm, I'm just... I'm not too heavy for my height. I'm too short for my weight. I don't need to lose weight. I need to grow taller. That's all. So what if God did it like, you know, like, you know, if you had certain color of hair, like God prefers blondes, genuine blondes. How many are going to make it? What, what if you have to have hair? God did it the, the easiest way possible. See, this person thinks this is a hard way. No, that's not the hard way. You're not having to qualify in the natural. All you got to do is just believe God's not a liar. That's all you got to do. You can do that. Then he said, I'll give you my grace. That's easy. I'm thinking. So I said to her, I said, it wasn't the hard way. It was the easy, easy way. We make it hard. We make it hard. We, we, try, to, we try to believe God with the flesh. <clears throat> Your flesh is 
Your flesh doesn't believe God. It's your heart that believes God. With the heart, man believes. Not with the head. Amen. See, your head's been full with all kinds of knowledge and information that doesn't necessarily line up with the Word of God. We just, we just grew up that way. We learn what things do to you. We learn what things will do to you in the natural. We learn what sickness will do to you in the natural. But we, need, we should have been taught what God will do for you. Amen. See, so we get, we get our heads full with this stuff, and then we try to believe God out of the head, and it's just full of some, sometimes, I'm not saying yours is, but, but you know what I'm saying, you have to work on it, you have to renew it. Sometimes your mind just filled with garbage. That doesn't mean it's necessarily dirty stuff or immoral stuff, it's just stuff that just does not compute in the kingdom of God. It's like Dr. Barclay said one time, we like to bring into this kingdom what we know, and it doesn't fit here. Well, see, this is, so God made it the easy way. So, so it's a faith that it might be grace, that the promise might be sure to all the seed. In other words, everybody can get this. Now, verse 17, as it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens or makes alive the dead. And he calls those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he or God had promised, he was also able to perform. So this is a totally different Abraham and his belief than the one in Genesis chapter 17. Yeah. So I want to know what happened to this guy. How did he go from laughing at God to fully persuaded and becoming the father of our faith? Verse 12 of the same chapter says we need to walk in the steps of our father Abraham. We need to walk in the steps of his faith, that faith that he had. We need to walk in that faith. We certainly don't want to walk in the steps of Genesis 17. But we do want to walk in the steps of, of Romans chapter 4. So what did he do? All right, I'm going to give you five things. Are you ready? ready? Number one. The number one thing is make the decision to believe instead of doubt. Did you know it's your decision? You have a right to believe what you want to believe. God gave you that right. God gave you the right to go to heaven or to go to hell. He gave you, the, it's your choice. He gave you the right. See, when, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he appeared to his disciples, but Thomas, was, Thomas wasn't there. I remember doubting Thomas. He, he sure gets a rap, doesn't he? He doubts one time and we never let him forget. <laughs> you know, one time I doubted and you know, they keep bringing it up. I'm sure he might say something to that, about that in heaven. Might say to me, how many times did you preach on me doubting? Well, Thomas, I'm sorry. I just did it once. But Thomas was known because of that, because he wasn't there. The others told him, we've seen the Lord. And he said, I, listen to how he said it, I will not believe. How you know he could have said, I will believe, because Jesus said he would be raised in three days. He had the word on it. Amen. <laughs> you know, the King James calls him uh, uh, Didymus. Didymus. Thomas, sometimes calls him Didymus. 
Most modern translations, they put the English equivalent of that, which is twin. In other words, he had a twin brother. But he was called Didymus, Didymus, Didymus. I remember years ago, I'll never forget this. This was so funny, and it's so godlike, you know. Uh, it was the first church I was at, you know, I was, on, I was uh, their associate, and we had a young couple get saved, you know. And we're teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, you know, and being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. And the husband was having a little trouble with it, you know, because, you know, you get in your head, you get in your mind, think, well, you know, I, that doesn't compute. Well, just stick with the Bible, not your head. Right. Amen. And so he calls me one, one, one day. He says, because uh, he was doubting. He was doubting the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think his wife might have been filled, but he was having some doubts, and he was doubting. So he calls me one day, and he says, uh, he's, a, he's just a babe in the Lord. I mean, he is like a two weeks old, could be three weeks. He's just a babe in the Lord. He didn't know, he didn't know the Bible, he didn't know anything. You know, he got saved from a life of drug, drug use. So he doesn't know anything about the Bible. So he called me one day. He says, he says, he says I keep hearing this word Didymus in my heart. Didymus. He said, what's that? Well, you know, you, you just don't go around every day hearing somebody say Didymus. And I said, well, Didymus was Thomas. That was what the King James called Thomas. And Thomas was famous for doubting. He said, oh, I've been doubting the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I said, well, there's your answer, Didymus. <laughs> and he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. But God told me, your problem is doubt. Isn't it funny how God will do stuff like that sometimes? You know, I mean, he'll just slip something in there on you, and he's like, I don't even know what he's talking about. i got to find somebody. He's just funny like that, but he'll do that, you know, and he'll always provide you with the answer, you know what I'm saying? And God was saying to him, Didymus, Didymus, you're doubting. You're like Thomas the doubter. It's in the Word. Yeah. See, Thomas could have easily said, I will believe, but he said, I'm not going to believe. So number one, you have to make the decision you're not going to doubt. You're going to believe it. If the Bible says it, I'm going to believe it. I may not understand it. I may not know how God is going to do it. But if God said it, it's good enough for me. You know, there's people that like that in, in the earth, you know, that people that you know, if they tell you something, you, you know it's just the truth. It's just the truth. You know they're not going to lie to you. But how much more God? He's never lied. He, matter of fact, the Bible says he cannot lie. All of us can, but God can't. Amen? He's, he's not capable of it. He's not capable of it. Because if he ever says something, it becomes the truth. If, I've said this before. You know, people look at you funny, but if God showed up and he said, hey, it's a great Thursday, don't try to correct him. We're all off. I don't know what you guys came for on Thursday, but thank God you did. We're, it's, it, he changed it, right? Because he's God, right? So, number one, you have to make the decision to believe instead of doubt. Number two, you have to speak the language of faith. You know, faith has a language all on its own. Abraham spoke the language of faith. It, we didn't read this in Genesis 17, but if you read Genesis 17, the Lord said to Abraham, He said, I, he said Your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham, for a father of, of many nations, have I. Not going to, have I. Have I made you? And from that point on, Abraham went by father of the multitude. Now you can imagine what the local people thought when he changed his name from Abram to father of the multitude. And he's 100 years old, and he said, hey, I, 
He changed my name. You know, he, sends, he passes out these business cards. My name's now Abraham. Because that names meant something to them. They understood what they meant. And so it's like father of a multitude. But he, he began to speak the language of faith. The father hears the language of faith. Amen. He understands the language of faith. Now, I go over into um, countries where I don't understand their language. I'm thinking about going. I've got an invitation to go back to Uganda in August, and, uh, in, in August, September, to go back and preach at a pastor's conference. And so, uh, you know, I don't understand their language, their native language. I go to, to um, uh, uh, Central America. I don't understand their language. I mean, they, they can be talking, uh, and they can be saying anything. I mean, I don't understand a few words. Don't misunderstand me after, you know, all these Christian trips. I've picked up a few words anyway. Uh, not as many as I should have. But I picked up some, and so I understand some. Some things they say, yeah, I understand it, but most, they don't. They could just say about anything they wanted to about me. I don't know what they're saying. I understand their language. Pastor Ingolf, sometimes I'll pick him up. And, you know, when he comes, maybe I'll go to the airport and get him, and maybe he'll call his wife or something, and he's talking over there in German. I don't understand what they're saying. He could be saying, I'm with this idiot pastor right now, honey, and I'll... Call you back later. I don't know. I don't know what, you know, I'm just by faith. I don't believe he's saying that. But anyway, I don't know what he's saying because I don't understand the language. And you know what? People that don't understand faith, they don't understand our talk. They think we're foreigners. They think we're weird. But don't start talking baby talk for them. Don't, don't, go, don't get caught in goo-goo gaga. Stay an adult. Amen. You know, I remember when Camden was a little bitty guy. I mean, he wasn't talking yet, you know. And I'm working in the office, and Michelle brings him in, you know, and he comes in, and he looks at me and goes, Rrr. I went, Rrr, Rrr. He went, Rrr, Rrr. I went, Rrr. He goes, Rrr. I told Michelle, I said, that's just guy talk. We know what we're talking about. How I many know God's got a language, right? It's called the language of faith. And if you're going to communicate with him, you're going to have to speak his language. Amen. He's not going to come down and speak the language of doubt. The Bible said, if we ask anything according to his will, he what? He hears us. Why? Because it's faith language. What if we speak something according to, not according to his will? He doesn't hear that. It doesn't get access up there. He doesn't hear that. Because that's not the language of faith. So we have to learn to speak the language of faith. There is a language of faith. What is the language of faith? The language of faith speaks according to God's Word. Remember the children of Israel? The Bible says that they, they didn't speak the language of faith. God told them to go, you know, I've given you the land. They said, we can't take the land. Amen. They doubted. They did without. Caleb and Joshua spoke the language of faith. They got in. So we have to learn to speak the language of faith. So if you're going to get rid of doubt, you've got to be like Abraham, speak the language of faith. You know, Abraham made the decisions. There was one point, there was some point in Abraham's life where he decided, I'm going to believe what God said. I'm going to believe what he said. And then he starts speaking like what God said. God calls those things that be not as though they were. He speaks the language of faith. He starts speaking like God. See, the spirit of faith speaks. Didn't Jesus tell us to speak to the mountain? What did he say? Speak faith to it. Don't doubt. Speak the language of faith. The mountain understands the language. You hear people say, well, <laughs> I, don't say, I don't say things I don't have. Well, Jesus said to, he said, say to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea. You don't have it yet, but he said, say it. 
Amen. Amen. It's like Brother Caps used to teach years ago. If you want the cat, don't call the dog. You want the dog, don't call the cat. He said one time, Brother Cap said, the Lord said to him, he said, I told my people they could have what they say, and they've been saying what they have. Hallelujah. So you have to understand, we have to go back and speak the language faith. Number, number three. Come on, you get some today? You've got to consider the promise instead of the problem. What did the Bible say about Abraham? It said he considered not his own body, now dead, neither yet the dentist of Sarah's womb. How many know that was his problem? His problem was his body. It was a 100-year-old body. Sarah's was a 90-year-old body, and they're trying to have kids. That is a problem. I said, that's a problem. They didn't have all the medications and doctors and things that we have right now. But even today, they can't pull this off. I mean, even today, I mean, you got something wrong with you and you're 100 years old today. They don't even try to fix you today. They just say, well, go home and live it out. They certainly couldn't fix this problem. Come on, we're all adults in here, right? We didn't have Viagra in those days. What are y'all blushing for? Hey, you're all, we're all adults. Amen. <laughs> they didn't have things. Sarah had, Sarah, I mean, it had, even like the one place in the scripture, it had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Yeah, yeah a long time ago. And even when, even when it hadn't ceased to be after the manner of women, she still was barren. So she's got two double problems here. She never was able to have children. And now she's old. And 90-year-old women don't have children. So this is a problem. I mean, that would, that, I don't know. If you see, sometimes we, read, we can read these things and they seem like, well, yeah, that's Abraham. But he's just a person like we are. He was asked to believe a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman could start nations. That out of you will come nations. Amen. You know, he could have probably said, God, you might have wanted to start this a little earlier. But God seems like he likes to do things the hard way. Hard to us, not to him. Why does he do it that way? So no flesh can glory in his presence. You know, Smith Wigglesworth shook, shook, shook the Pentecostal movement. And he couldn't even read when he was 50 years old. Couldn't even read. He learned to read by reading the Bible. He was 50 years old. You think God would have started earlier. But he shook nations. I think God does these things sometimes. We wanted to start earlier. You know, sometimes I'll tell God, you know, I'm not getting any younger, you know, like he doesn't know that. And some of the things you called me to do, I haven't done it yet. Could you maybe like hurry? I'll tell you something about God. God, God will do it in a way that it pleases Him Amen. and not us. Are you with me? I, I mean, God, sometimes He shows up at the last minute. And I'm thinking, can't you, don't you ever go anyplace early? Like God, I like to go early. See, Phyllis and I are different in that respect. She would like to show up right on time. I want to be there 20 minutes early. I mean, if she walked in the door and we got like a half a second left, we made it. I'm like, that's too close for me, sister. <laughs> hey, man, I'm going to show up early, man. I, I don't want to have to drive like a maniac to get there. Good preaching, pastor. Amen. 
So you have to understand that, that God, he, He's kind of like Miss Phyllis. Or maybe she's like him. Just right on time. Right on time. Amen. Thank God. Amen. Now, so, so we, have to, we, have to, uh, we have to consider the promise. What's the promise? Well, the promise for Abraham was, so shall your seed be. See, the psalmist said this in Psalm. He said, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law he meditates day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that bringeth forth, with the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf, his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. What was God saying? Blessed is the man that he does not walk in what the world says. Amen. But he walks in what God says. He doesn't consider the problem. He considers the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. We've got to consider what God says. This is the Bible tells us in Hebrews a couple of times to consider Jesus. What does it mean? It means to focus on him or consider that he's the promise, right? We're to put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation, that's the knowledge of our redemption. We're supposed to think about that instead of the problem. See, what happens is this. The problem will try to take over your life. It'll try to take over your thinking. Has anybody ever experienced that before? Am I the only one that's had a problem? It'll try to take, it'll try to take over your whole mind, won't it? It'll try, it'll try to take over your whole life if you let it. Won't it? Sure, man, you have issues sometimes. They try to take over. That's, why you got, that's when you've got to go back. And sometimes you've got to physically put it before your eyes. You can't just... You can't just always just quote it, although that's good. Sometimes you've got to physically read it because you're eating it again. It's like you can't live off the memory of a steak. You've got to eat another one if you like steak. If you don't, repent. God will forgive you. I like steak. Good steak, that is. I don't like bad steak. I like good steak. Anyway, you know, you can't, but you know, I can remember what one tastes like, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, it doesn't help. You got to eat it. Sometimes you got to actually go to the book, put your eyes on it, read it, feed it, get it in there, get the promise before your eyes. You know, like those crazy people that put scriptures all over their house. Those crazy delivered people, you know what I'm talking about? Those ones. Sometimes you got to act like them so you can have what they have. Amen. <laughs> Come on now. I remember growing up as a kid, you know, mom got saved in the 70s, you know, early 70s. And, 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 uh, uh, and then she got uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit in the early 70s and got left for the, left for the fellowship from her church. <laughs> Let me know what that is. That means they kick you out, you know. We love you, but like Brother Ingolf said, we, lo I love, we love you, brother, but. You know, when he got filled with the Holy Ghost, every church he go to, we love you, brother, but. They kick you out, you know. So, but she got a hold. I mean, she started listening to people like Kenneth Copeland, you know, Brother Hagen, Fred Price, you know, David Nunn, different people of the day, you know. And Brother Copeland, he's still around. <laughs> Y'all better use your faith or he's going to be around when you're gone. He's hanging around for a while. And I used to, you know, I've got to be honest with you. When he first started saying he's going to live to be 120, I thought, yeah, right, we'll see. And now I'm like, okay. <laughs> I see it. <laughs> I mean, the guy's 85. And he, you know, he, he's, I mean, you know, he's in top shape. He can do a three-minute plank. Some of y'all can't do a three-second one. 
85 years old, you can do a three-minute plank? Are you kidding me? Wow. But she began putting scriptures all over the place because she had some issues on the day that she, had, she hadn't been delivered from, you know. That, but now she's found out that the scriptures provide healing and deliverance. And so I'm just thinking she's a religious fanatic. I mean, she's got them on her mirror. She got them. You know what I'm saying? Stick them all over the place. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking, you know, she's, boy, mom's gone. She's gone. I mean, she got saved, but she, she, she didn't get to get saved. She went nuts. That, that's probably the person you need to follow. Because they're the, you know, you know what a fanatic is? Somebody that's more hot for God than you are. Amen. <laughs> yeah, come on. And so she began putting these scriptures. Well, she got delivered. She got delivered from what was the, the affliction that was on her. She got delivered from it. Praise God through the word. Amen. And what did it? Well, it, it's focusing on the, the promise instead of the problem. We all have problems we have to deal with. As long as, lot, as, long as there's a devil, as long as there's an a, 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 a unredeemed world, there's going to be problems in it. But we can focus on the promise. Amen. This is what Abraham did. He focused on the promise. So that was number three, right? Number four, we need to give glory to God. See, the Bible says here in, in, um, in Romans um, 20 that he gave glory to God. He started thanking God and giving glory to God for what God was doing in his life and what God was going to do. Amen. So there's, there's, a, there, there's a scripture in Colossians, which we won't read, but it talks about this in Colossians 2, how our faith abounds through thanksgiving. Thanksgiving does something to your faith and causes your faith to abound. Paul said, don't even pray without it. He said, if you're going to ask God and bring a request with, before God, he said, do it with thanksgiving. Why? Because it's going to do something for your faith. Paul and Silas found themselves in prison. They didn't murmur and complain. They thanked God. They praised God. They got out. Their faith abounded. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I like the story in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 20 through 22, where it talks about a great army coming against Judah and Jehoshaphat, and they praised the Lord. They sent, they, Jill, they sent the praise team out front. I don't know where they were mad at the praise team that morning or what. Maybe they were off a little bit. They said, Just send them out front. But the praise team knocked it out of the park that day. I mean, they praised God, and the Bible said they were, that, they, that they were all destroyed. Praise God. Hallelujah. And they were three days to gather the spoil. It was so much. Hallelujah. Amen. David said, uh, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall once in a while be in my mouth. Oh, when I go to church, it'll be in my mouth. Listen, you read the Psalms. David said, I'm going to praise him of the morning. Then he said, I'm going to praise him at noon time. Then he said in one place, I'm, I'm going to praise him when the sun goes down. Then he said, that's not enough. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Amen. And he went on to say, oh, come, let us magnify the Lord together. Magnify. What, is it? what do I put these on for? You know why I put these on? You know what it does? It magnifies words. Now, I can read this. Bible without out it, I can read it just just fine. Uh, well, not just fine, but I can read it, you know. But when I put these on, it magnifies it. It makes it easier. Amen. Magnifies it. See what does praise do? 
Now, how many know you can't technically make God any bigger than He is? But you can certainly make Him bigger in your life. And when you praise God, you magnify. Come on. You magnify God bigger than the problem. Because the problem will try to take over your mind. And you need to magnify something bigger than the problem. Don't bow down and say, oh, thou holy problem. I shall never conquer thee. No. Talk about how big your God is. Magnify the Lord. You say, Pastor, this preach is really good. I know. But it, it, it's a little more difficult to live, isn't it? I said, isn't it? You got you to make your flesh behave and live it. Your flesh does not want to say, I'm healed when it feels bad. Your flesh wants to say, wait on me. Isn't it amazing when you feel bad, you just got to tell somebody that's your flesh. Here's another thing that praise does for you. Psalm 8, 2 says that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength that you might steal and stop the avenger and the enemy. But Jesus quoted that in Matthew 21, 16. He quoted it this way, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. So it looks like on the surface, he changed the scripture, but not when, you, not when you're a Hebrew like he was and you know the Hebrew language. He understood that praise actually means to strengthen inwardly. That's one of the meanings of it. So he understood that when the psalmist said, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength, he knew the psalmist was talking about praise. He just gave us the interpretation of that verse. Hallelujah. It strengthens you inwardly. Hallelujah. I mean, no, we, 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 need to, we need that strengthening inwardly. And we need to make God bigger in our lives than the problem. There's no problem that you're going to face. And we all face some major problems. I face some major problems. But God's bigger than all of them. You know, just like, you know, when you do lose a loved one. I mean, there isn't anything in the natural fixes that. Is there? But yet there's a God who has peace that passes all understanding. It's too rich for your mind. When you tell somebody, I'm going to pray for your peace, I'm going to pray for God to cover you, that sounds like that's just not sufficient enough. But with God, it's sufficient because He's supernatural. He can put something in you that you don't have. He can cause you to have a feeling you don't have. He can cause you to have something that's tangible that you don't have. He can cause you to have peace. Amen. That doesn't mean you're happy with your situation, but there's something deep down inside you that's holding you together. Amen. And I'll tell you, you know, one thing Paul said when, 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 when our loved ones go to heaven, he said, man, we're not, we're not, we're not without hope. Amen. Matter of fact, you know, if they went to heaven, they don't want to come back. If we brought them back, they'd be mad. Amen. You know, uh, I may have told this story before, but that's all right. I've told all my stories before. But this one is not really my story. It's just something I heard. Uh, Oral Roberts had a, uh, an associate evangelist named Bob Deweese. And I've heard the story before how he, Bob had a heart attack and he died. He said, he said, I went to heaven. He said, I was up there. And he said, it's like, he described what he saw. He said, but his wife, Charlotte, prayed for him to, be, to come back, you know, and he did come back. 
And she said, when he came back, the first thing he said is, Charlotte, what on earth did you do that for? He didn't want to be back. I've often thought about Lazarus, who was dead for, seven, for four days. He was in paradise. Do you know that? He wasn't just floating around the earth. When people die, they don't just float around the earth. They go to heaven or hell, one of the places, but they don't just float around the earth. So he wasn't just floating around the earth. He's in paradise, and, G and he hears Jesus call him back. I'm sure he's, man, he's there with the saints of God, man. He's there with Moses. He's there with Abraham. He's there with David. Amen. He's there. He's there with Elisha. Come on. He's there with all these old saints in this place of paradise. And all of a sudden, here's Lazarus. He's thinking, oh my, that sounds an awful lot like Jesus to me. I hope this isn't what I think it is. I hope my sisters hadn't talked him into raising me from the dead. You know, that sounds funny, but really the truth is, who would want to go back? I don't mean any offense, but heaven's better than Evansville. Heaven's better than Huntingburg. They both start with H, but heaven's far better. Hey, heaven's better than Daniel Boonville. Anybody who goes there doesn't want to come back. I doubt very much that God's ever had a request put in. Can I go back? I miss Denny's, eating at Denny's. Let me get my point. I don't even know what it was, what your point was. I don't either, but get it. Praise the Lord. No. See, the things of God are much better. Amen? Number five. We'll close right here and we'll let you go. Number five, you need to let your actions line up. James 2.26 says, Faith without works is dead. Now, I don't know how many times over the last 40 years where I've seen people where we have prayed and we've believed, supposedly believed God but then they act like nothing changed. Right. Nothing's happened. Yeah, I mean, I've actually prayed for people and, you know, say, well, you know, and I thought we were praying in agreement. I thought agreement means I'm agreeing that, that God's taking care of the problem. I'm agreeing that it's done. That God's hurt us and the answer is going to manifest in your life. You know what I'm saying? It's, all, it's already a promise. It's already released to you, but it's going to manifest. So I'm, I'm agreeing with it. And then I'll have people say, well, I just don't know what I'm going to do if God doesn't move. I mean, we wasted our time here, didn't we? Because we weren't in agreement. You're in, you're in wish. I'm in faith. See, what, once you pray, I mean, you need to start acting and preparing for the, the manifestation. Now, whatever level that is, I mean, I know you can get weird with this and do stupid things, but I'm talking about in proportion to your faith. Did you follow what I said? How many know speaking to, how many confession is an action, isn't it? You know, I remember a couple in our church that they, they've moved to a different state now, but uh, I remember years ago that they were believing for children. They couldn't have children. They were believing for children, and so they wanted children. And so we prayed. We agreed with them on it, you know. And I remember what they did. They went home and they took, you know, they took one of their rooms and they turned it into a nursery. That's an action. I said, that's an action. I'm not saying you would have to take that action, but you need to act like it's going to happen instead of talk, keep talking like it's not going to happen. Nothing changed. Right. Amen? And so, but that's what, that's what they did. Maybe they were led to the Lord to do that. I think maybe they were. Maybe the Lord let them do that. But anyway, they did that. 
And uh, still, I don't know, maybe a couple years or so went by, and they still didn't have any children, maybe three. I can't remember. Phyllis might remember. But eventually, they end up having two kids. Amen. And they, I think they were told by doctors that they couldn't or something. And, uh, but God, I said, but God. I mean, if God can, if God can work over a 90-year-old, I'm sure he could do something with a 30-year-old. Probably a little easier for him, right? I mean, it doesn't matter to him, right? It's harder on us because we know we have the knowledge that 90-year-olds don't have babies. But God, pardon my English, God don't have that knowledge. What His knowledge is, is whatever I say, that's what it's going to be. I call things that be not as though they were. So if I say 90-year-old, get pregnant, 90-year-old going to get pregnant. Now, thank God He's not doing that miracle too much any longer. Praise the Lord. <laughs> there are people in their 40s like, don't even think about it, God. <laughs> but this was a special case, right? This was a special case. And uh, not too many 15-year-olds get pregnant and they're virgins. But that was a special case. But it just shows you that if God needs to, He can do things that tilt your mind. But you know what he needs? He needs you to have faith and doubt not. Amen. So we have to defeat doubt. Let me give these to you again. We'll close out right here. Let's go enjoy your weekend. Uh, number one, we've got to make the decision to believe instead of doubt. Two, we have to speak the language of faith. Three, we've got to consider the promise instead of the problem. Four, we need to give glory to God along the way. Amen. This is so important here, giving glory to God. Number five, let your actions line up with what you're believing. Amen. Praise God for His Word today. Amen. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.